Matthew chapter 20, uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22, starts by saying, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Ever feel like that? Some are, some are saying, I feel like that right now. Now in the fourth watch of the night, the wee hours of the night or of the morning, the darkest part of the night, the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled, fearful, and they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter spoke up and said, Jesus, if it is you, command me to come to you and also walk on the water. So Jesus said, Come on. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, that it was boisterous, he was afraid again. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And, and when they got back into the boat, the winds ceased. Then those who were in the boat, they came and they worshiped Jesus and said, truly, you are the Son of God. Father, we thank you for what you have already done in this house. Already, Lord, miracles have taken place Already, healing has come. But you have more that you want to do, more that you want to say. So God, we pray that our hearts would be open, our ears would be open. You would captivate our attention today and speak to us and teach us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, say amen. As I said to you last week, we have grown, the Bland family has grown by two. We have two new sons with us, all the way from China. This is Tony, and this is Roy. That was your cue to say welcome and yeah. <laughs> Tony and Roy are here on a cultural education uh, program. And they're here so that they can learn about American culture.
culture and our society and uh, how we speak and uh, what we eat. And we eat a lot. But you know, Karen, they're not just the ones being educated here. I mean, I, I'm amazed at how much I'm being educated on, on their life and how, how uh, wonderfully polite and filled with respect and honor they have for, for me and for my family and really for this nation. And it really has stood out to me, guys. And so I just applaud you and I thank you. made me realize or re-realize what an impatient society we are. Pastor Moses, you hit it right on the head. We just run through life fast paced, get to fifth gear, get to overdrive as quick as you can and just race through life. Fast paced society we are. What we want, we want now. We don't want to wait. We drive through the Taco Bell drive through window and they can't even get it done fast enough for us. Honking the hurry up and get my Enchirito quicker, you know, whatever it is. Sat there at the microwave, tapping our finger, tapping our toe, crossing our arms, wanting that popcorn to pop faster. The 2G wasn't fast enough, so we had, to, we had to get the 3G, and well, the 3G wasn't around long enough to, to where it wasn't fast enough, then the 4G came along. We had to have the 4G, and guess what? The 4G is not going to be the latest, greatest, fastest very long either. It's already obsolete, I guess. I can't stay up on it. I'm not hip like Pimo. <laughs> we want fast. We want now. But yet this mentality and this way of living is contrary to this book. I'm just telling you right now. This book teaches us slow down, be patient, wait on the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's hard for me. That's hard for me to wait on the Lord. When I want my way, I want it now. I want what I want, even with God. God, I need healing, and I want you to do it today. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for tomorrow. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven. You know, I tell Richard, Richard, someday you're not going to have the assistance, which is wonderful for you right now. You, you are assisted by a wheelchair, and I think it's wonderful. It gives you mobility. I'm still believing that you could be healed right here on earth. But I also, in the back of my mind, say, someday you're going to be healed for sure. And you're not going to be assisted by a wheelchair. You're going to be running and dancing and skipping and all that, that you haven't really been able to do here on earth. But he still dances. I'm telling you, that's exactly right. You know what? That's, that's right, Karen. Richard outdances the majority of this church and he's in a wheelchair. That's another sermon on another day, but I'll just squeeze in a point right there. But we want it now. You'd rather be healed now, wouldn't you? I mean, that's just how we are. We want now. 
Pastor Becca hit it right, fat babies. Wow, wow. But that, that way of living, ladies and gentlemen, is contrary to the Bible teaching. Here's what the Bible teaches us. Look at this in Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. James 5, 7, therefore, be patient until the coming of the Lord. It's reemphasized in verse number 8 of James 5. You also be patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. God's word even tells us the benefits of those who will wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. May we not get in a hurry. May God truly teach us to wait on him. Yet, there are those times in the Scripture, in the Word of God, where God works quickly. And in this passage of Scripture here in Matthew chapter 14, we see Jesus moving immediately. How many like when Jesus moves immediately in your life? Oh, I like when he moves immediately. I like when it's just all done, started and finished in the same day, in the same moment. And God still does that. There are those times when Jesus will move immediately. You may ask today, when does Jesus move immediately? First of all, Jesus moves immediately when it concerns his will. I'd like you to take some notes this morning. I believe they will be helpful to you. You say you want Jesus to move immediately. It would be nice to know those times when he's most likely to move immediately. I got a little bit of a mid-ring. Thank you. Look at verse number 22 once, once again. It says immediately. Come on, somebody say immediately. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go before him, travel to the other side while he was sending the multitudes away. Jesus is giving direction to the disciples. He's giving instruction to the disciples. He's telling them what he wants. He's telling them, this is my will for you right now. And I believe concerning the will of God that he will speak to us immediately. I don't think that God wants us, his will for our lives, I don't believe God wants that to be a guessing game or a waiting game. Have you ever heard somebody say, I wonder what God's will is for my life? I believe God wants to speak to us what is his will. What is God's will? Well, I'm glad you asked that question too. I have four areas that I believe if we can understand these four areas concerning God's will, it will cover everything else concerning God's will. Are you ready for this? First of all, God's will is to believe in God. 
You ask today, what is the will of God? It is, first of all, to believe in God. Look at what John, the Gospel of John, in chapter 6 and verse number 40. And this is the will of him who sent me. Who sent Jesus? Father God. This is the will of God that everyone who sees the Son, which is Jesus, and believes in Jesus may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Anybody ready to be raised up in the last day? Hallelujah. Well, you've got to start by understanding that God's will is that you believe in him. There are plenty of people who do not believe in God. There are people that do not believe in our God. They believe in other gods. But we here at La Palma Christian Center believe that there is only one God that a person should believe in, and it is the God who conquered death. Other so-called gods died, and they stayed dead. But our God died, Jesus was crucified, and he died. He laid in a tomb for three days, and after three days, he rose again from the dead. This is what sets our religion and what we believe apart. It is a risen God, one who is alive. He was alive then, he's still alive today. He was seen by spectators on that day. He was seen by disciples later on, and he was seen by 500 other, uh, other spectators and other people. And they all confirm, and it is documented in history, that Jesus not only died, but he rose from the dead. Did I break that down clear enough for everybody in the room here today? I want to make sure everybody understands why I believe what I believe and why I'm encouraging you to believe in the same way that I believe. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, but as many as received him, we're talking about Jesus again here, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Wow. To those who believe in his name, we're talking about what is the will of God, believing in God, believing on the name of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. You ask what is the will of God? First of all, the will of God is that you believe in God. But I do not believe that it is enough just simply for somebody to acknowledge that there is a God and that is belief in the God. I believe that the scripture is very clear that we are to love God. What is the will of God? Number two, to love God. Mark chapter 12, verse number 30 says, and this is as a result of some people, disciples asking what is the greatest commandment of all? Thinking that Jesus is going to pick one of the 10 commandments, probably, possibly. What's the greatest of the Ten Commandments? What's Jesus do? He busted out. He goes somewhere they weren't even thinking about. He said, you want to know what the greatest commandment is? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This 
is the first commandment. This is the greatest commandment, in other words, to love God. Believing in God is one matter. Loving God is another matter. Now, how will we know if someone actually loves God? They will say that they love God. Well, there are plenty of people saying that they love God, but no, there's really no proof beyond their words. I do not believe that it is enough for somebody to say, well, I love God, because the Bible is very clear. It says, if you love God, then what will happen? Come on, Dodie, tell us out loud. If you love God, you will keep his commandments. There is the proof that you love God. A person can say they love God all day long, but unless their life actually proves that they love God, then they really don't love God. What is the will of God? It is to believe in God, to love God, and number three, to love others. They ask, what is the greatest commandment? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And then he takes a big, deep breath, and he says, but hang on. Here's the second verse to that song. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 31, he says, and second is like this. You shall love your neighbor like you love yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The will of God is that we believe in him it is that we love him, but it is that we love others. There is the true test. Loving others like you love yourself, and don't we love ourselves? How many would be honest today and say, I looked in a mirror before I left home? Well, I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad. Believe me. Why don't you look at your neighbor tell him, I'm glad you looked in the mirror. I, I'm glad, I really am. Mickey, I'm glad you did, because you look awesome today. How many brushed your teeth before you came? Anybody put on some deodorant before you came? You went and, look at Dave, he's got this peachy shirt. What is that? What color is that? I like that. It looks so good with the tie. You look good. That didn't just get on his body. He had to go and get that, and he tied his tie and maybe had to retie it because he wants it just right. I, I do that. I got to get the, the dimple in the middle there, you know. We love ourselves. Anybody eat breakfast this morning? Anybody have some coffee? Oh, I had coffee. I, can't, I don't function very well without coffee. And I like my coffee just so, right? I don't like black coffee. That's just me. So I like it just so. So I pamper myself. First thing I do, I get my dogs out to let them go, and I, I go to the coffee machine to make coffee for Karen and I, first thing. Why? Because I know if I don't have my caffeine, I'm going to be out of sorts. I'm going to be grumpy. I'm going to get a headache, blah, blah, blah. What am I doing? I'm taking care of myself. Now, that's not wrong. God knew. <laughs> God knew and God knows that we were going to love ourselves. No problem with that. For most of society, there's not a problem. There is a small sect of people who struggle with, with 
self-confidence and, and loving their self. I understand that, but I'm saying for the majority of our society, we love ourselves. We pamper ourselves and we spoil ourselves. That's okay. So long as you're loving your neighbor like you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's not saying... I love God well, Agbaroji. He's my brother. And how can you not love God well? I mean, have you ever talked to the brother? All that comes out of him is kindness and encouragement, and, and I'm praying for you, and I appreciate you, and I love you. That's all I ever... I've never heard a, a disgruntled word out of this man's mouth. He's so easy to love, I want to be around him. That's not what this is talking about. How about the person who lied behind your back? Can you love them? How about the person who steals from you, who talks about you and tears you down, who gossips on you? Come on now. Can you love them? You want to know what the will of God is today? I'm going to tell you right now. Love others. Just love people. If we'll truly love people, like we love God and like we love ourselves. God can use that. Number four, what is the will of God? It is to tell others about God. And when, when you find God or when God finds you, you, you believe in Him, you reach out to Him, and you begin to love Him and let Him love you. You can't keep that kind of information and that kind of encounter. You can't keep that to yourself. You shouldn't keep that to yourself. It's not God's will that we just be saved and rescued, find life, and not tell someone else. The Great Commission, anybody know where it's found? Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I believe it is God's will for everyone who has found God, believes on His name, and has everlasting life, that we should be telling others. We should be going into the mission field. You want to know what the will of God is? I believe, it's, I believe it can be clear, concise, and immediate. No guessing game, no waiting game here. I think some people confuse, oh, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. They're just talking about what, what's happening today. Where's God want me to go tomorrow? You've got to see the bigger picture. God will make it very clear. This is my will. Believe in God. Love God. Love others. Tell others about God. Everything else will fall in place, I promise you. God will even let you know some of the details that you think that's more important. These are the most important things. These four things. When does Jesus move immediately? He moves immediately when it concerns our worry. 
Look at verses 26 and 27. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled, they were fearful. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. I love this because it's something that all of us can relate to today. It's something all of us will grapple with in life. It is worry, apprehension, anxiety, fear. Jesus knew that. And so let the fear that comes, let it be a motivator to speak to Jesus and to reach out to Jesus. I believe Jesus will speak immediately to our worry to our anxiety and to our fear, just as he did to the disciples that day. You see, worry is so debilitating. Worry is a paralysis. It keeps you from doing what God has called you to do, what God is counting on you to do. I'm so worried, I'm so fretful, I'm so fearful. There are several recognized types of anxiety disorders, including panic disorder. This is people that have this condition have feelings of terror that strike suddenly and repeatedly with no warning. Other symptoms of panic attack include sweating, chest pain, palpitations, irregular heartbeats, a feeling of choking, even feeling like they're having a heart attack or that they're simply just going crazy in their mind. This is, this is real uh, worry disorders, anxiety disorders. That, that one was just panic disorder. They just have a panic attack. There's another one, obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD. We're so slick today, we just, we just label it with the, with the letters, right? OCD is when people are plagued with a constant thought, plagued by constant thoughts of fear that cause them to perform certain rituals or routines. The disturbing thoughts are called obsessions and the rituals are called compulsions. An example is when a person with an unreasonable fear of germs and they constantly are washing their hands. We call them germophobics. They won't shake hands, they don't want to be around other people, they don't want to touch doorknobs, and they're constantly washing their hands. Why? Because of worry, because of fear, because of anxiety. Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, is a condition that can develop following a traumatic and or terrifying event such as a sexual or a physical assault, the unexpected death of a loved one or a natural disaster. All of this can trigger this post-traumatic stress disorder. Some of our military, uh, uh, on the heels of coming home from, from war, they will go through this. People with PTSD often have lasting and frightening thoughts and memories of, of certain events. They tend to be emotionally numb. There's a social anxiety disorder, also called social phobia. Social anxiety disorder involves overwhelming worry, self-consciousness about everyday social settings. They worry often, uh, the worry often centers on a fear of being judged by others, 
are behaving in a way that might cause embarrassment or lead to ridicule. And the list goes on. Maybe we're not at such a point where we will be diagnosed, but I promise you, all in this room will fear something. All in this room will worry about something. And you know what? Jesus wants to speak to your worry and speak to your fear immediately. But we've got to come to him with it. We've got to call out on him and let him say, peace, be still. I love this passage of scripture out of Matthew chapter 6. It's a little lengthy, but follow along with me. Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. See, this is going back to how much we love ourselves. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes, clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, not more valuable than they are? Which of you, by worrying, can add one inch to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even King Solomon in all his glory and splendor was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is not, thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, he says again, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Here we go. Look at this, verse number 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, come on somebody, say, all these things. All these things shall be added to you. Therefore, again, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We're not to worry, we're to trust. And when fear comes, when worry comes, when anxiety comes, that's the time to call out on Jesus. And he will take the worry and he will replace it with his peace. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. How many are thankful today for the peace of God in your life? When does Jesus move immediately? He moves immediately when it concerns our woe. You see, Peter decided, if this is truly Jesus out on the water with all the waves and all the wind, I want to get out of the boat and walk on the water too. So he says, Jesus, if that's you, you bid me to come out and join you. And Jesus said, come on. So Peter, you got to see this. It's a storm, not calm. 
the boat is rocking. I mean, they're, they're fearful for their lives. And these are seasoned fishermen. Peter climbs out of the boat and starts to walk on the water. I think too many times we get to the point where Peter starts to sink and he loses his focus and he starts to doubt. But Peter is the only other, other person in history besides Jesus, and Jesus is God, so Jesus can do whatever he wants. Peter was not God. He was just a man that loved God and had faith, and he got out on the water. He did something that no other man in history has ever done. God help us today to get out of our boats right in the middle of the storm and have the faith and tenacity to trust you enough to dare to step out on the wind right in the middle of the waves. That's powerful, folks. But Peter became afraid again. Look at verse number 30. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, now he's already out of the boat, he's already walking on the water, he was afraid. And he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand. He caught Peter, and he said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Didn't I just remove the fear from you a moment ago? Right? Because remember, when they saw Jesus walking on the water, they were afraid. And what did Jesus do? He said, It is I. Do not be afraid. Be at peace. And he took away their fear. And just minutes later, here's fear wanting to attach again. And in fact, attaching again. What's the point? Fear is always waiting to reattach to you. Even there are people here who just were prayed for and you got peace and worry was lifted off of you. And already your mind may be thinking, oh, what about this? That's just how quickly it comes. It happened for the disciple. He'd just been freed from worry and fear. Be at peace, Jesus said. It is I. And yet, he gets out. Fear came again, just like that. But see, Peter's worry turned to woe. Woe is trouble or affliction. And that's what will happen to us. If we don't take our worry to the Lord and we continue to set in our worry, it will actually turn to trouble. It will turn to affliction. And our world will start sinking too, just like Peter. But even then, folks, when you feel like you're sinking, you feel like the bottom has collapsed out of me, there is no hope. If you will just cry out to Jesus, just like Peter did, he'll reach out his hand. The scripture says Jesus stretched forth his hand. Can you back that up one more? Jackie, look at that. And immediately, come on, somebody say immediately again. I love this. We're, we're finding out when Jesus moves immediately. There's those times we're going to have to wait, but there are those times when Jesus is going to move immediately. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, and he caught him. Even if you feel like you're sinking, you feel like the, the bottom has collapsed, cry out to Jesus and reach out to Jesus and promise you he's going to be reaching out to you immediately 
I like when God works immediately. I like when God works quickly. There are those times when it will happen. And it's always for a purpose. Jesus sent them on ahead because he had a plan. He sent the disciples ahead. His plan was, first of all, he wanted to be alone, and he needed to go and pray by himself. There's a good example to follow right there. He also knew that there was going to be a crowd the next morning where he was going, where the boat was going to arrive. He knew that already because, well, he's God, and he knows tomorrow morning as well as right now. So he knew that. He knew that there were going to be people there. I'm, I'm going to leave it to you to read ahead a couple verses, okay? And you'll see this. It says, everybody who even touched his garment. Isn't that what it says? Oh, you got your Bible open still? I'm telling you, this is so good. This isn't on the screen, so you'll have to follow along with me right here. Uh, let me read it. 34. When they had crossed over, this is after everything's done. When they'd crossed over, they came to the land of Genezareth. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region and they brought to him all who were sick and begged him that he might only touch that they might only touch the hem of his garment and when they touched it they were made perfectly well Jesus knew I need to get alone to pray see there's purpose in him moving immediately I need you to move I need you in the boat I need you to get to the other side you know his will he also knew that when they were there, there was going to be a need. People are going to be, need to be healed, and I want you there with me. I'm sending you ahead for the job. It says in verse number 32, after Jesus walked on the water and after Peter walked on the water, Jesus reached out and rescued him. Look at this. And when they, Jesus and Peter, got back into the boat, that's when the storm stopped. The wind died down. And then those who were in the boat, this is interesting to me, those who were in the boat, they came and they worshiped Jesus and they said, truly, you are the Son of God. You know, in our lives, we are all going to have the storm situations arise. But I want you to think about the people in the boat who are watching. Clearly, there were disciples in the boat because we already have dialogue concerning the disciples. They're already mentioned. But I think that there were more than just the disciples in the boat that day. I think there's just the matter of the boat crew. There's the captain of a boat. Could have been one of the disciples, yes. But there's, there's shipmates. There's deckhands. What about them? I believe they're watching as well. You see, the, what makes me think that there are those in the boat who were not believers, because the disciples already believed that he was the Son of God. So there's others in the boat that I believe were unbelievers until that moment. 
they came and they worshiped and they declared, you are the son of God. Folks, there are people that are watching you in the storm of life that you might be in or that you possibly could be in. Believers are watching you. How are you handling the storm? Are you going to have the faith to possibly even get out on the water and walk on the water? But there are those unbelievers in your life, in the boat, they're watching as well. Does anybody need an immediately from Jesus right now? You need immediate attention from Jesus right now. Heads bowed. If you need an immediate moving from Jesus, I want to see your hand. You need immediacy. He does move this way, folks. When it concerns his will, when it concerns our worry, and if it concerns our woe, our trouble, our affliction. And so now, Lord, I pray for these who've lifted their hands, acknowledging they need you to move quickly. They need an immediate response. Yes, Father, we know that your Bible teaches us over and again that we are to wait, to have patience, and that you are working. But we also see today that there are those times where you will move rapidly. And I just pray, God, that you would take these words and cement them in our hearts and lives, meet the needs of your people here today. Pray it in the name of Jesus. With your head still bowed, I want to give an opportunity to anyone who might be here today just before we leave. If you have not accepted God's gift of everlasting life through his son, Jesus Christ, I want to give you a chance to pray today and believe in our God, asking him to help you to live a life that would please him. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Steve, I have never accepted Jesus Christ, but I want to, I want to pray to have him come in my life today. Just lift your hand and put it right back down so I can pray for you. Is there anyone today you would like me to pray for you that you would know Jesus, you would know our God? you all to stand. Pastor Dave is coming to dismiss us in prayer, <clears throat> and as he comes, let me just invite you back tonight. We have a really, really great service planned. We have a gold medal achievement recipient through the Royal Ranger program of our national office and very few rise to this level. And one of our very own, Roe V. Tesoi, has received this. So tonight, we are going to honor Roe V. The entire night, really, is an honoring of, of Roe V. I want you to come. We have a guest speaker, a really great program, and, well, cake.
you know, I can always entice you with a little cake. So, so glad to see you here today. Uh, hope to see you tonight. Pastor Dave. Father, we, uh, we come to you this morning so grateful for your presence in our lives. So grateful that you uh, visit us in such a powerful way. And God, we know that you work miracles today around this altar, God, and we seal that today as we pray to you. God, we're thankful that you respond to us immediately, Father, and, and concerning your will, our woes, and our worries, Father. We're so grateful for that, and we'll give you praise for it. Be with us as we go our ways. Bring us back tonight. We thank you for your many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.